Hey there, my loves. Welcome to Plastic AF, where we are brutally honest about life's naked truths and get real about the things that matter most in our lives. I'm your host, Dr. Victoria Gibbons, and today we're diving into a two-part series on the telltale signs of being done in the world of plastic surgery. Let's get into some naked truths. Have you ever been people watching while sipping your latte at your local coffee shop and in walks someone who, well, let's just say they look like they've had more tweaks than a software update. We've all been there, right? People watching is the best. Now, before we jump into the nitty gritty, I've got some naked truths for you from the doctor's perspective. Plastic surgery is an art. It's not an exact science. It's more like baking cookies. The recipe might be the same, but the results can vary widely. And plastic surgeons are not God. Sometimes the results are nothing less than miraculous, and sometimes the results are left wanting. And while we are perfectionists, we are not perfect. And to be honest with you, neither are you. We can't control how long your individual body takes to recover and heal we can't force you to follow our post-procedure guidelines, and we can't make you come to your follow-up appointments. And we surely cannot stop your body from continuing to age, even after reversing the clock with surgery. Aging is like an unwanted guest who never leaves the party, no matter how many hints you drop. And while we're at it, let's discuss the elephant in the room. Just because someone's rocking the telltale signs of cosmetic overhauling, that doesn't mean their surgeon deserves a bad Google or Yelp review. Believe me, I've had clients stroll into my office with cheeks that have seen more filler than a Thanksgiving turkey. But hey, they like it, and who am I to rain on their overfilled parade? Before we dive into our stick a fork in it, she's done checklist, let's get one thing straight. There is no judgment here. I'm not here to throw shade. I'm here to spill the tea on the signs that you might be veering into the done territory. As I said, plastic surgery may be an art, but it's not an abstract art. There are concrete signs that someone's been to the beauty playground a bit too often or too long. Like poker players reading their opponents, we've got that sixth sense for spotting those uh-oh moments. So first up, number one, a face and neck that don't match. Failing to take care of the neck along with the face is a huge no-no. It's like showcasing a stunning masterpiece in a very mismatched frame. We've all seen it, a radiant and really beautiful face that steals the spotlight, but when you shift your gaze downward, bam, a neck that's channeling a different era altogether. It's crepey, it's leathery, and it's in some desperate need of some TLC. It's the beauty equivalent of forgetting to blend your foundation onto your neck. We invest so much time in our faces, but the neck often gets the short end of the skincare stick. The neck is so often forgotten about until we're older because we are so focused on that face. But just like you don't want a wrinkle-free forehead next to wrinkled eye lines, you absolutely don't want a youthful face next to a wrinkled and discolored neck. But the solution is simple. 
medical grade skincare and treatments aren't exclusive to the face. So don't pass up the offer to include your neck on tightening, brightening, and resurfacing treatments if you want the best results as you age. Trust me, you're gonna thank me in a few decades. Number two is the polybeak deformity. You've probably never heard of this term unless you've considered having a nose job or a rhinoplasty. The name polybeak basically originates from an animated parrot back in the day that was named Polly, hence polybeak, a nose that's shaped like a parrot. This occurs from an unnatural fullness at the nasal tip, creating a distinctive parrot's beak appearance. Now, during a nose job, there are two potential hiccups that can occur, leading to the infamous polybeak. If you look at your nose from the side, or what I refer to as the profile view, the upper part is bone, and as you go down to the tip, which is at the bottom, it transitions to cartilage covered by skin. Now, to earn your polybeak deformity, either your surgeon would have to not lower the nasal bridge enough, leaving behind an undesired hump at the tip, or the operated skin can actually thicken and develop scar tissue over time, creating this telltale deformity. This isn't an overnight sensation though. Unlike those gorgeous on the operating room table, social media posts, those before and afters we all love to watch on Instagram, the final result of your nose job, good or bad, is usually a slow burn and patience is key. Your nose needs at least a year but likely more to settle into its permanent shape. And unless there's an obvious problem, remember I told you deformities are kind of like slow brewing dramas, your surgeon is not gonna be making any changes for at least six months, but probably longer. It's all about giving your nose the time it needs to heal and avoid unnecessary procedures. Now, in cases where thick skin and scar tissue decide to really kind of crash your party on your nose job, Steroid injections can do the trick and erase the scar tissue accumulation, but sometimes, even with the injections, a revision surgery might be in the cards down the road, and that doesn't mean it can't happen again. Once you've had one surgery, it's more likely to form scar tissue in revision or other surgeries. That's why they're generally so complex and more expensive. So basically, this is where the magic of how your body heals becomes a really key player in the final outcome. All right, number three is pixie ears. Sounds like it's straight out of a fairy tale, but unfortunately, it's a reality in the world of facelifts, the notorious pixie ear. Now, even if you haven't heard of this term before, it's a visual you won't be able to forget once you've seen it. It can be the result of an overzealous facelift or an oversight on securing and placing the earlobe's position during surgery, meaning that there should be just the right amount of skin under it. But in the real world, the skin can end up looking like it's kind of caught in a tug of war as the body heals and pulls the earlobe down. But the solution is straightforward. A surgical touch-up is needed but the good news is that it can often be done right in the comfort of your surgeon's office. And yes, you can stay awake for this one. In less than 30 minutes, you can have your earlobe repositioned to its natural position and secured to the skin to prevent any future problems with stretching. So the next time someone mentions pixie ears, remember it's not the latest fantasy movie trend. It's a real life hiccup in the world of facelifts. And if you find yourself caught in the pixie web, unfortunately, know that there is a quick and easy fix that won't keep you waiting. All right, moving right along. 
Number four, the alabaster skin shine or waxy look. So you've all seen this one, but maybe you couldn't put your finger on it or figure out why that person you're looking at looks really waxy or really shiny. You can't figure out what's going on. Well, ultra aggressive resurfacing, like the kind you get with a CO2 laser or a potent phenol chemical peel can be the culprit. Now, before I jump into this topic, I'm not saying that all CO2 laser and chemical peel treatments are bad. Some of them give absolutely wonderful results. A lot of it depends on the operator, the patient's skin type and ethnicity, and how well post-care instructions are followed. So think of it this way, um, a process that can be so intense that it can bleach your skin. Once the skin loses pigmentation, or what I call becoming hypopigmented or depigmented, you can basically say goodbye to any hope of catching any color, no tanning or anything like that. Deep lasers and peels can leave behind a really shiny, almost um, ethereal appearance on the skin particularly noticeable in our fair skin friends and a very less than ideal uneven pigmentation or waxy look for other skin types. And a word to the wise from my perspective. CO2 lasers, while they are fantastic treatments, they are not for people with darker or ethnic skin tones because they come with this huge high-risk tag. Discoloration, depigmentation, abnormal brightening, and the unwelcome guest at every skincare party, scarring. The unfortunate truth is once your skin hits this level of injury, regenerating it becomes a challenge. Are you a cosmetic practitioner looking to master your skills and boost your revenue? We get it. Your number one fear is not living up to your own expectations, but we have your solution. The Givens Aesthetic Institute is here to help you conquer those fears. We offer comprehensive training courses for medical providers that are serious about mastering the cosmetic field. And now we are introducing our Exosome Masterclass for Hair Restoration. Quickly become a leading regenerative expert in your community with our proven plan. You'll get the full Masterclass curriculum, which includes how to vet Exosome companies to find the best product for your practice, a live patient procedure demo, official certification, and our exclusive all-in-one exome practice and procedure growth guide. Join us at the Givens Aesthetic Institute and watch your practice thrive. Don't let fear hold you back. Embrace mastery and growth today. Visit www.givensaestheticinstitute.com and enroll now. That's www.givensaestheticinstitute.com. Your success awaits. While regenerative therapy is making headway for the future of pigmentation restoration, for now, your go-to is going to be makeup concealers and foundations. And let me tell you, some of the cosmetics nowadays are absolutely brilliant. You've seen them in Maybelline and other beauty commercials, concealers and foundations pulling off miracles, camouflaging tattoos, smoothing over vitiligo pigmented and unpigmented patches, and even hiding those deeply pigmented birthmarks. Now on to number five, sad eyes and hollow eyes. It's time for some eyelid talk, which is very on trend right now. Before you dismiss eyelid surgery as a casual in-office tweak to say bye-bye to a smidge 
of excess eyelid skin and fat, let's talk some facts. It's not just about achieving that refreshed look. It's about avoiding the potential pitfalls that could reshape your eyes in very unintended ways. First off, the scars. In an upper eyelid procedure, they should be situated right in the natural crease of the upper eyelid. If you mess this up, you might find yourself with a very conspicuous or just downright unnatural crease above the eye. But that's not the only thing. If your surgeon goes too far, medially meaning going in the direction that's closest to your nose. If you're looking at your eye, medially is towards your nose, laterally is out towards your ear or your temple. So if you go too far med medially with the incision, you could face the epitome of terrible scarring which is incredibly difficult to fix in that area. If you angle the incision downwards on the lateral side, meaning as you go out towards the temple, you can say hello to what I call the sad eyelid look. Trust me, these missteps can entirely reshape your eyes, leaving you with a look that's as unrecognizable as Jennifer Grey, the actress in Dirty Dancing. If you don't know who that is or you've never seen that movie, Gen Zers out there, go and watch it. It's great. But she had a procedure, um, a nose job, I believe, uh, a long time ago, and she's very unrecognizable as a person from that movie till now. Now, here's where it gets serious. Messing up the upper eyelid lift isn't just aesthetically challenging. It can mess with the actual functionality of your eyes. Think difficulty closing your eyes, dealing with dry, itchy red eyes, and the nightmare scenario of an ulcer or, in extreme cases, even blindness. Correcting these complications? Not a walk in the park. You're talking multiple surgeries, each staged, and a potential risk-benefit tightrope. Let's talk about the flip side, eyelid hollowing. If you remove too much fat and too much skin, you suddenly have a visible upper eyelid, which is what we all want but it ends up looking like you have a skeletal or gaunt appearance. You really need to have youthful fullness below that brow bone if you wanna achieve the right aesthetic appearance. If you just tell your surgeon, I just wanna remove all the excess skin and fat and that surgeon isn't taking into account how that will affect you if you remove too much of it, you're gonna be stuck with a very aged look. So if you overdo removing that eyelid skin and fat, you're gonna find yourself unintentionally aging your eyes. But there is a silver lining for eyelid hollowing. Fillers in the office or even fat transfer in the procedure room are generally the go-to options. So if you find yourself trying to navigate that delicate balance between um, eyelid lifting and being overdone, Remember, it's not just about looks, it's about maintaining that harmony between form and function. And number six, high forehead and high eyebrows. On to a topic that often raises eyebrows, quite literally. When it comes to brow lifts or eyebrow contouring, one of the biggest concerns among my patients is the fear of looking like a certain well-known figure, let's call it the Nancy Pelosi effect. Rest assured, when it's done right, that's not the outcome, and the impact on the overall youthfulness of your face can be monumental. However, the fear of overraised brows and an unintentional shift of the hairline is a valid concern. Let's break down how this can happen. So, first up, why the hairline might decide to play hide and seek during a brow contouring procedure. When incisions are strategically hidden within the hairline to minimize scar visibility, 
the tissues have to be lifted from that starting point within the hairline underneath the skin, obviously, but all the way down to that eyebrow bone or that eyebrow line. As the brows are lifted up and repositioned, so is the skin and hairline above it. They're practically inseparable doing this technique. Now, while this can be perfect for those desiring a bit of a higher hairline, it's not the most ideal scenario for those looking to maintain or even lower their hairline. So if you're looking to actually lower the hairline or just maintain your hairline, the solution is going to be to opt for a brow lift technique that actually kicks off right at the level of the hairline rather than within the, the scalp where the hair is. This allows you to basically keep that hairline where it is or lower it um, while achieving that desired brow lift and contouring effect. Now, let's tackle the surprise face eyebrow scenario, everyone's worst nightmare. To achieve a significant lift, some surgeons will completely resect the muscles responsible for eyebrow movement. And once the connection between the eyebrows and the structures of the face are disrupted, the brow's gonna go on what I call a solo mission. It goes outwards and upwards way too much. Ideally, the most inner portion of the eyebrow is going to align gracefully with the inner corner of the eye. But sometimes it ventures into the surprise face territory and fixing this one is not a walk in the park. While improvements can be made with neuromodulators like Botox injections and surgical re-anchoring of the muscle, if the muscle hasn't been entirely removed, it is still a nuanced process that requires a very delicate touch and a lot of patience. And that's all I have for y'all today. That wraps up part one of how to tell if someone's had work done. Stay tuned for part two in our next episode, which will drop next week. Thank you as always for joining me on this episode of Plastic AF. Join the conversation on our social media channels on Instagram and YouTube at Dr. Victoria Gibbons. And don't forget to subscribe for more. Please leave us a review. And until next time, decide on the life you want and then say no to everything that isn't it.